It's been a doozy of a year to be a Bravo fan. There have been tons of highs and lows and everything in between, even more so than in years past, it feels like. I mean, maybe it's just the lingering effects of Scandaval, but it really felt like this year, Bravo was part of the mainstream zeitgeist in a way that, like, it hadn't been for quite some time. Whether it was mainstream outlets recognizing the fervor and the appetite that us Bravo fans have for coverage and news around our favorite shows, or just the perfect storm that existed around Scandaval this year that explains it, I'm not sure. But it really felt like we were kind of in the 2023 version of those glory days of Housewives when, you know, you'd see Teresa or Ramona or some other housewife on the cover of Us Weekly. And it, that felt, I think those early seasons really felt like they were super mainstream. And I felt like this year we really got back to that. But it wasn't just Scandal that broke through this year. You know, Kyle and Mauricio's separation and Kyle's sort of are they, aren't they relationship with Morgan Wade also feel like they've been huge water cooler conversations this year. And it's still obviously very much ongoing with the season of Beverly Hills airing. But I think that very big stories like Jen Shaw's arrest and Erica and Tom Girardi's legal woes, like I feel like those two kind of back to back sort of set the stage for this year that Bravo has had in 2023. Those sort of whet the appetite, I would say. But you know, instead of just doing a recap of 2023, which is something you'll be able to get in many different places this month, I'm sure, I wanted to look back at the year with a more fun, structured approach, which is why today's episode of Gabbing with Gabe will be a list of Bravo's biggest winners and losers of the year, as inspired by an exercise that Matt Bellamy does on his fantastic sort of insider baseball-y industry podcast, The Town. I listened to that religiously, so go listen to it if you have any interest in sort of the behind the scenes of the movie and entertainment business. Um, but this today's episode is very much inspired by things that he does over there. So to do this, I invited one of my favorite voices in the Bravo creator space, Dylan Hafer, who runs Bravo by Betches and hosts their Bravo podcast called Mention It All, which I have been on before. And he was a perfect person to do this with me, and we had a great time doing it. Um, we went back and forth naming three winners and three losers each, which actually resulted on us pretty much touching on every big topic of the year in terms of Bravo. Scandaval, The Reality Reckoning, Kyle's Separation, New Bravo Liberties, The Summer House Breakup, Southern Charm, and a bunch of other things. So reach out if you feel differently about any of these or you feel like we missed a, a major moment on our list, but... We each came with actually more than three picks in each column, just in case we ended up having some overlap, which obviously we did. Um, but we approached it in very different ways, which I think made it all the more interesting. But yeah, I'm sure we missed some stuff, so let me know. Anyway, here are Dylan Haver and my biggest winners and losers of Bravo from the past year. If you enjoyed today's episode, as always, let me know with a review or a five-star rating. I keep seeing them trickle in and we keep bubbling up on the Apple Podcast charts. So let's keep that momentum going. Enjoy today's episode. I want to gab. Today we're gabbing with Dylan Hafer, who hosts Betches Mentioned It All podcast and does all things Bravo over at Betches. He's a constant familiar face at every Bravo event I ever go to, and we get a blast together at BravoCon. I'm excited to have him on today to discuss who we think are the winners and losers of Bravo in 2023. Dylan, how are you? I'm so good. I'm excited to be here, and I'm I'm excited. This, this was a good opportunity to really reflect and look back on what's been a wild year from start to finish. It's also one of those things where it's like, wait, was that this year? Was that last year? It's like, it, 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 uh, it's, it is a good exercise. It really is. So just so, so people know what we're going to do, we are going to go through like three to five winners and losers each. 
uh, back and forth of just, it can be a person, it can be a show, a cast member. We can have creative answers, but um, I'll start with a winner that I have, which is just, and this might be oversimplifying what the actual back end looks like, but I'm going to say the casting department over at Bravo. Um, I feel like we had a really good crop of new additions to Bravo this year. We had the entire Neuroni cast, including Jenna Lyons, who was a huge get, regardless of whether you thought that she really worked or not in the end. Like, it was a huge get to have her. We had some great additions on Jersey, Rachel Fuda, Danielle, Jen Fessler, Jennifer on OC, Taylor Armstrong and Tamara Judge came back, Monica on Salt Lake City. Even Ali on Pump Rules, I think, was a good addition. JT on Self and Charm. There was a lot of good people that we got added. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah, actually, it's so interesting. One of my winners is like sort of the same thing, but from a different angle. That I feel okay. like the the new housewives themselves are winners this year because something I think is interesting as you know, observing the fandom and how people respond to shows on social media and stuff is new cast members can have a really difficult uphill battle to sort of cement themselves as important parts of a cast and yeah. I think over the last few years we've seen some sort of false starts in the from the casting department like on uh, Salt Lake them trying to add anyone to the original cast that really would stick or on OC we've seen a couple seasons of one and done housewives and so it is pretty remarkable I think in this span of about a year how many new people not only has casting done a good job of finding them, but that they really have clicked with the fans in a way that I don't think you can really predict. No, and I think it I think it probably on first glance, it always feels it kind of feels like a layup. Like of course the casting department wins. But like like you said, we've had a lot of misses recently. Diana from Beverly Hills comes to mind. Like she was like, it's like we've had some people that really didn't connect. Especially even with Monica on Salt Lake. It's like she is connecting in like such a deep way. She's making such a big impact. She's like a bomb on that cast, honestly. And it's like it makes you excited for the seasons going forward, which isn't always the case with a first season housewife. Completely. I think BravoCon was sort of, uh, I realized with New New York, how much people really enjoyed that cast and were excited Same. to see them. And that was one of those things where you could imagine going to BravoCon and the New New York panel being like kind of an afterthought. Like people started being like, eh, I don't really need to see like, what Uba and you know Jessel are up to but it was it was that was a packed house people were so excited to see them all weekend long and I think regardless of how good the season was it's like oh wow that worked like people people feel like they're real housewives they connected there was a connect there were a lot of connections I think that were made between people on the on Bravo and to the viewers which is which is I think the most important thing if, if you were to pinpoint an MVP of a new edition on any show do you have one uh, it's, God, it's tricky because there really are a bunch. I mean, mm -hmm. I think Monica maybe has been the the loudest voice yeah. out of all of the new people this year. Um, In terms of the one that kind of snuck up on me as the favorite, I would say Jen Pedranti from Orange County because Love her. She, brought a, she brought a lot to the season in terms of storyline, both all of her personal life stuff and then her, her weird relationship with Tamara that was tough to figure out. But I also just think she seems like a fun hang and like a natural addition to that group in a way that is sort of the the top thing you could hope for when casting a new housewife on a show that's been around for so many years. It's just somebody who feels like they belong there. Yeah. And I think that she held her own considering everything that Tamara sort of 
did just essentially throw her under the bus, you know, and she, she, she yeah. kind of, she remained steady. And I think making an impact when such a big presence and personality like Tamara is coming back into the fold too, to, to make it, to make some sort of impact on a season like that, I think is saying a lot of, of her potential. Okay. So Dylan, let's get your first winner. Okay. So my, my first winner is Lisa Vanderpump. I was, I was going back and forth because I feel like there are a few winners out of the whole like Scandaval situation, but I, I settled on Lisa because I think not only, I mean, obviously Vanderpump Rules had a huge season 10 and that was kind of something no one could have predicted like wild. Yeah. But Lisa, I think had a great year kind of even beyond that because she's Vanderpump Rules at the same time, it was cemented as kind of like a core Bravo property she got those Emmy nominations, which I think was, I mean, huge, major, you know, so unexpected, but she's still expanding her hospitality business. BravoCon weekend, they announced her latest venture in Vegas. She has, I think, a, a restaurant or a bar opening in Tahoe, which is like, I think she's been able to kind of continue to build that brand. And she has another spinoff coming to Hulu next year in a way that most housewives just couldn't really sustain and I think it's it's super impressive and as much as I you know you can kind of say what you want about her presence on reality tv but I think her her business acumen and her sort of success off screen is kind of undeniable in a way that I I don't know it's it sort of baffles me honestly. no totally and like I think the show could have been on its last legs and by extension she could have been on her last legs just as a personality on bravo that was she's not on beverly hills anymore and i think the prospect of her coming back is like kind of remains pretty slim but it's it's almost like she's they all capitalized on it right i mean like lala did the merch in the podcast sheena same thing ariana and katie same thing but like it's she capitalized the most in the way that she always has right but this was the biggest opportunity in years to to, to make it work and i agree like i you kind of thought that maybe it was sort of like, okay, well, they throw her on a girl's trip in the future. And like, that's what we'll see from her. You know, it's, you're right. She's, she is a big winner of this year. She's always been Bobby Fisher playing chess. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's also interesting because she remains a winner, even if like, I find myself, I found myself at least throughout Scandaval, like really disagreeing with like the way that she, and maybe she was kind of ahead of her time in doing this in terms of like extending an olive branch a little bit to the Toms, um, which I think now more people are sort of thinking that way, I want to say. Um, it's sort of like an overcorrection, but in that first Watcher Happens Live appearance, she was sympathetic to him. And I think that she got a lot of heat for that. And so I think to call her a winner, even in spite of that is um, a testament to what she's been able to do this year. Absolutely. Okay, so a first loser. I'm going to go with Ramona Singer. It's low-hanging fruit, but I think that she she was skating by for so many years on so many, like, straws that almost broke the camel's back with her, but it was almost like there was, like, lacking that much evidence for them to be to, to force Bravo's hand to, like, finally get rid of her and finally kind of show her that actions have consequences. And... It was that exchange, I think, with the page six reporter that really kind of cemented the fact that she is out of this world, probably for good, even though her season is still going to air. I don't think she'll be like doing, I doubt we'll see her doing any sort of official press, you know, outside of like her own podcast or with Avery or something like that. I don't know. I think that it was just kind of like, you know, she gave us a lot over the years, but she, it, she finally lost. Yeah. It's tough when you, 
if you're in that space of kind of being like the the like problematic fave where it's like okay like I know deep down she's probably not a great person or maybe I've like seen a rumor like some comment or something that suggested that she did something wrong but this was I mean if you were really paying attention you could have figured it out sooner but I think that sort of bravo con you know chain of events was was really just kind of the nail in the coffin where it's like okay if you're paying attention at all it's impossible not to know what's going on here and yeah i mean i i definitely suspect that the this girl's trip will be the last we really see of her at least at least on like the official uh you know nbcu channels but um yeah yeah, I mean it's it's tough. Like the whole Roni legacy thing has been a little bit cursed overall. But um, yeah, yeah, it's kind mm-hmm. of over for yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. It's and there's and there's pro- there's probably not that much more to say about it. But to me, she was just sort of like the obvious person to mention. Who is your first loser that you thought of? My first loser is Jen Shaw, and mm. I think in in an obvious sense, obviously she went to prison this year for like a six year sentence, which. I think would kind of put anybody in the loser column, but I think sort of more existentially <laughs> than that, seeing how Real Housewives of Salt Lake City has turned it around for season four, which I think pretty unanimously people think is a, a great season of Housewives. Their best yet. Yeah. At the beginning of this year, when Jen was being sentenced, I remember talking to Heather around the time her book came out and she was really kind of pessimistic about how the show was going to regroup without Jen. She was like, Jen is the the star. She's the loudest voice in the crowd. You know, I think it it felt to a lot of us like the last couple of seasons would have lacked kind of any real momentum without Jen's storyline playing out. And so to see how Salt Lake has recouped without her and Monica, you know, bringing so much noise. I think Angie has been like a shocking turn of events, the way that she has kind of worked herself in Mary coming back, obviously like it felt like Bravo knew they were in a tough spot and the women also did. And they kind of put in the work to make it work. And I have to imagine, I don't know if Jen gets much Bravo in wherever she is right now, but (laughs) I, I have to imagine that if she knows that people are receiving this season well, that she is really angry about that. Totally. And it's, you know, you, you every like month and a half or so, we'll see something pop up in page six from her publicist, like directly from her publicist. And it's something that they, they'll just put out there. It's like the latest with that Jen Fonda thing, which is, which is funny to laugh about for like a day. And then it's sort of like, okay, like she's just yeah. trying to stay relevant and, while, and capitalize on the the kind of hotness around the show still. Yeah, and I think if she were only in prison for a year, maybe, I could see there being sort of like, not necessarily a redemption arc, but some sort of opportunity waiting for her on the other end. But six years is a really long time. And I mean, maybe she'll get like a a Zeus, you know, coming out of prison special or something, but I don't think anybody's <laughs> going to be waiting for her on Housewives. Not a Zeus coming out of prison special, Dylan. No, I totally agree. And it's sort of like, I think that that was honestly, I think for the the however big this quote-unquote Shaw squad is or like the people that really kind of remain loyal to her throughout like that was the hope I think that like because she is kind of intrinsic she is very intrinsic to the DNA of the show from the first three seasons that they would have to loop back around with her but I think that this season Monica's presence is honestly sort of like a Jen Shaw shake it up light kind of thing that she has going on like 
it's proven that I don't need that loop back around. I never need that. I know it's, yeah, it's kind of shocking. I mean, when I watch that show every week, I'm like, wow, they, it's kind of like banger after banger with these episodes and good. I mean, good for them. Totally. Okay. My next winner is Erica Jane. I think that last year at BravoCon, I noticed last year BravoCon was when Rinna got booed and she was sort of, I think she took a lot of the heat off of Erica with her behavior last season at BravoCon, the will she, won't she come back narrative around that time. And I think that at BravoCon, Erica handled herself so smartly and that she started doing a lot of fan service. She went on a lot of panels. She was kind of acting in this sort of like Erica Jane pop star persona of like strutting on stage and being bitchy and like saying that thing about Dorit and PK on stage. And she was really giving the fans, I think what, what we initially have always wanted from her, you know, which is sort of like that over the top sort of like gay icon vibe. And I think ever since then, I mean, she hasn't been perfect on this show. She hasn't, you know, she, she gets wrapped up in things that there are still sort of lingering things from the Tom stuff. But I think overall she has, even though I didn't like how she handled herself in that one season, I'm pretty impressed by the way that she's gotten kind of gotten out onto the other side, into the other side of the storm. You know, she's, I find her fun to watch on the show again, personally. Yeah, it it almost happened like without me realizing it, where for a couple seasons there, I just kind of got the ick from Erica Jane's yeah. whole presence. And then this season, it really kind of went away. And I, I think it probably is the best thing that could have happened for her to sort of just kind of like skate into the clear. Like there wasn't ever one big victory or one kind of like resounding moment it was like she really just kind of weathered the storm and she still feels like a really important piece of that cast yeah and it's like yeah she might not like have as much money she might live in a really small house without a guest room for her mom to stay and like she'll still share a bed with her like her she might her tickets might still be going for like five dollars or whatever that price is but like she still has a vegas residency she still has a spinoff about that vegas residency and you know what to me that's winning on bravo everybody wants a spinoff that is like honestly the that is one of the prizes I think that you get on Bravo, even if it's a two to three episode special, like they all want that and she got it. So I, I'm kudos to her. Kudos to her. <laughs> I will, for my next winner, I'll stick with Beverly Hills. I'm going to go with Kyle Richards because I think that this year in a time where being an OG in and of itself does not, you know, mean that much in the mm-hmm. Bravo conversation I think that all of Kyle's personal roller coaster this year has really cemented her as the bitch that causes all the conversation. Like so true. she she has been such a tabloid fixture this year about, you know, whether she's taking Ozempic, whether she's dating Morgan Wade, everything that's gone on with her and Mauricio has been such a topic of conversation on the show, in the fan community, in in the, you know, the tabloid and, like, blog space, whatever. I think that that is, it's like she's making a powerful statement without even saying anything, that she is still relevant in such a strong way. And watching this season, her marriage and what's going on there kind of being such a main storyline, I was really skeptical before the season started about kind of how much she was going to share, whether I was actually going to be interested when she was sharing. Because I think, 
I'm not somebody who's like, wow, Kyle and Mauricio, I shipped them forever. Like I thought they were, they're not your gold standard really, necessarily. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't really care in that way. So I was, I was sort of expecting it to be a little bit dull, but then even within the first couple episodes of the season, before we really got to like separation times, I, I already felt wrapped up in it and and that's continued. And I think, you know, these last couple episodes were starting to kind of, you know, unpeel the, you know, yeah. onion or Morgan's whatever. And yeah. I'm, yeah, I think it's, I think it's kind of a, it feels like she is still the central pillar of the show. And, you know, I think there have been a lot of questions in the last few years about if Kyle's time has passed, if she's boring, if her sisters aren't on the show, do we still care about her? And this year, I think, I think it's obvious that people care about her. The answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, <laughs> yeah, I think ever since Lisa Vanderpump left the show, it was sort of like, she was always the alpha and Kyle was the beta. And it's like, how does the show operate with Kyle with a, with a quote unquote beta OG at the center of it. And, you know, I think that Kyle has, you're, you're right. She's proved her staying power. She, she, you said she's proven that she's still relevant. I think she's more relevant than ever in the pop culture conversation. Sutton is a stand in for the sisters. Like, I don't think we really need Kathy and Kim. And, you know, I think she's smartly, even though it sometimes can get pretty frustrating, she has smartly let kind of drawn this out a little bit, this whole, like this whole thing. It's, it's been, it's been a trickling out of things. Like, I think both in her control and out of her control. Uh, but I completely agree. And I, I think that people still say that like she's so boring and yada, yada, yada. But I'm like, just look at the fact that she's the second, I think she's the second biggest Bravo story of the entire year, this this separation outside of Scandal. And I don't know. It's she, you're right. She's the bitch that causes all the conversation. And uh, she wasn't really before. She really wasn't before, you know? There were no, other people. She hasn't who, been. For, yeah. There have always been rumors and, you know, people people trying to stir things up but it's never really felt like she was at the center of the storm until this year and mm -hmm. i think that that helps her case at least in terms of staying on housewives maybe she's not enjoying it but <laughs> right right okay i'm gonna do a loser i'm gonna go with robin dixon i think that she potomac i think is having its worst season ever right now and it's 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 not fun to watch it's not that funny and I, I'm not blaming it all on Robin Dixon, but I think that a lot of that negativity and that sort of frustration, I think, is really her, her whole situation is very indicative of that. And uh, I don't like how she, I think that she could have come into this season and really handled it well. She could have been an open book. She could have really kind of addressed it head on. But I think she came in still not showing an under, understanding about why people were annoyed with her, why people felt kind of like hoodwinked with this whole situation with Juan. And like, he is not playing ball, which obviously does not help her, her case. But um, that in, in conjunction with the fact that, you know, her and Giselle are icing Wendy and Candace out and it's just not fun to watch. I'm, I'm I maybe unfairly using Robin as sort of a, you know, a representation of that frustration. But I think that she was kind of becoming this like, low-key like low energy fave for a lot of people and I think she lost a lot of goodwill with this whole situation this year yeah I was having a conversation um earlier about how there's kind of that idea of like the the like stability housewife who isn't always the most exciting one in the cast yes. but kind of it's like a Cynthia Bailey a Dolores like that kind of archetype in a housewives mm -hmm. cast and I think for a while on Potomac that was kind of Robin's role that Giselle was the really messy one and Robin was kind of the the more chill one who kind of 
evened things out. And it does feel like Robin has sort of lost the plot a little bit in terms of what people want to see and what, you know, just kind of like the attitude that is, you know, helpful for making a housewives show. And I think there's a, there's a big difference between I'm not going to freak out and cause all the drama. And I literally just don't care. And I think, I think she's veered a little too far into apathy in a way that makes it really hard to just kind of like move the ball forward. And like, how do you root for somebody like that who doesn't care? You know, it's it's it just all it's going to do is make us indifferent. I know at the very at the very at the best be indifferent, and at the worst just project that. You know, so yeah, that's uh, I'm not very happy with Robin right now. But what about you? What's your next loser? <laughs> My next loser this this one is a little bit random, but I'm going to say Peacock Originals because, and specifically Bravo related Peacock Originals okay. because. A few years ago, when Peacock launched, I think one of the kind of ideas of what it was going to bring to us was all of this world of possibilities of like Bravo spinoffs and adjacent shows and new franchises and mm. and what have you. And so we have Ultimate Girls Trip, which... Do we though still? We barely do. <laughs> four seasons have been filmed. Uh, two seasons have been aired. Or no, five seasons. Five sorry. have been filmed. And, yeah. and five have filmed, three have aired. But the two that have filmed and not aired are now kind of mired in this, you know, issue. And then I, we have Real Housewives of Miami, which was brought back very successfully on Peacock. And then also Below Deck Down Under, which both Miami and Below Deck Down Under did well on Peacock and then moved to Bravo for their most recent seasons. And so all of a sudden, the only Bravo content that Peacock is giving us is Girls Trip, but Girls Trip is in this weird, messy limbo. And I do kind of wonder, I'm like, have they decided that they don't want to use Peacock for like new shows anymore, at least Bravo related? Because now that we have all of our Bravo shows airing the next day on Peacock, like obviously there's a lot of that content there. But it it is just kind of like, I feel like three years ago, we were sold on this vision of like new housewives cities and like fun shows cropping up all around, you know, I don't know. And I, no, it just, you're right. It does feel like they've pulled back from that a little bit. And maybe that was like, maybe they realized they really just want people watching Bravo shows. You mean you, mean you don't want to, you don't, you don't think we're going to get Real Housewives of Vanetka on Peacock anytime soon? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I was thinking about recently that day on on Twitter, like last year, I think it was, where there was like fan made like key art for the most random Winnetka, Nashville, and Scottsdale going around on the same day, and it was like we're getting three new franchises all on Peacock, and I mean, it certainly doesn't seem like more Housewives franchises is something that they're really considering at all right now no no I, to- I totally agree I think I saw I think in that uh Evan Ross Katz Today Show profile of Andy Cohen Andy was sort of like I think we're sort of maxed out right now in terms of Housewives content um no but I totally agree I think that you're right even even a year ago even when I don't know if you were there were you at that sort of um influencer press event for the last season of Girls Trip at at the Crosby Street Hotel and it was like they yes. spent all this money and they rented out the basement they had a whole screening for the premiere and it was like Portia came as a surprise. I was like, okay, they're really like shelling it out. Like Peacock is a really exciting place to be if you're, even if you're a former housewife, it's it's the place to be. And then within six months, it's completely changed. And 
I, I think you're right. I kind of, the sense I think that we're getting is that the, they're not going to be doing that much more originals there in terms of the Bravo sphere. And, you know, I think that we can tell by the announcement at BravoCon that like the exciting Peacock thing was that we're getting the uncensored reunions. And like, I love that. I mm. don't get me wrong. Like, I think I'm so, I love when they do that. And I'm glad they're just committing to that fully, but like, that's a low lift for them. Right. Like it's not. And I think part of it was that the Peacock production value was so high, right. It was like pristine. And there was all these kind of like music video vibes sometimes to some of the interstitials. So it's an interesting and kind of unfortunate loss, I think. Yeah. And I think with even, especially like this year with all of the strikes that were happening, people were talking about how unscripted content was kind of going to be, you know, have this boom of, of things being rushed into production and all of that. And it's like, okay, well, (laughs) Right now, uh, Housewives has not been rushed into production. We have a lot of stuff airing right now and a couple of things in the can, but... Um... The spring is going to be sparse. <laughs> it is. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. And and I, 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 we can move on to the winners again, but I was going to... I'm going to take this off my losers list because I think it goes into this, which is like the... I, I was going to say the everyone who was on the season four of Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip because I'm, it's probably never going to see the light of day. I almost even called out Alex McCord specifically because this was like going to be her much heralded like yeah. fun comeback. We we're going to finally get Alex McCord back on our screen. So it's really unfortunate what happened there, but I just don't see a situation where we're going to get to see that. That was on my long list of losers too. Like specifically like Gretchen Rossi, she's not doing anything else. Alex mm-hmm. McCord, like that was for those, for a few women, particularly on that cast, this was really going to be maybe game changer for them in terms of bringing their status into the current era and totally if it doesn't happen that's going to be a big blow yeah and that can we that kind of segs perfectly into my next winner which is Phaedra Parks I think that you know if we look at season two of Ultimate Girls Trip Taylor Armstrong came out of that with a with a friend of role on a new franchise on OC, which is a one season situation, but it still got her back onto Housewives. Tamra, it got her back onto Housewives full time. It got Phaedra. I mean, it kind of it showed that there was still a, a way for Phaedra to come back into the scene and be well received after so much time away from Atlanta. And now she's on Married to Medicine, and you know she kind of stole the show on that season of that Ultimate Girls Trip and. You know, I think there were questions of like, how seamless is this addition to Married to Medicine going to be for Phaedra? Like, is it going to just feel like, uh, you know, she should just be on Atlanta or whatever? But I think it's worked so well. It's felt very natural to me. It seems like most of the women on that cast who have over half of them have been on it since the very beginning of their show. So they're very particular about who works on that show. And Phaedra to me is working. And just, I think, you know, if you had asked me a year and a half ago, two years ago, if Phaedra Parks were ever going to be back on Bravo full time, I would have said there's no chance because it's Candy's terrain. And if Candy has any say, Phaedra is not going to be within a hundred feet of her. So I think she's a big winner. I think it's kind of, it was kind of implausible. Yeah. I think them putting her on married to medicine was kind of like, the perfect magic trick of getting her back as a housewife without actually getting her back as a housewife. It's like she can do everything a housewife can do. Maybe, maybe less people are watching her show, but from a Bravo point of view, they can, you know, deploy her the same way they would a current real housewife of Atlanta without kind of that thorniness of what do we do about candy? Cause like, I mean, candy is one of the biggest, I think sort of business partners that, of a bravo lab you know she really yeah. is is lift, doing a lot for them 100 and honestly it's kind of in a way you can view it as a loss for atlanta which is not under which is not in good shape and 
needs another big star to come in and shake things up. And obviously that was never going to be Phaedra with Candy still around. But I think that like, if you compare the two situations, it's, I don't know, it's, it, they're in vo- both, they're in very different positions, those two shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, my okay, my my last winner is Southern Charm. I think mm, yes. Southern Charm was a show that, like Vanderpump Rules, in the last couple seasons, was starting to feel maybe like it had overstayed its welcome a little bit long in the tooth. Some of the kind of webs that had been created of the cast felt just a little implausible. Of like, why are we still here? Mm-hmm. And I think this season they just have. St- sort of stumbled into a new era for the show and you know a lot of people had very mixed feelings about Catherine Dennis finally leaving the show prior to this season they brought back Naomi last year she didn't stick around after that one season she came back and you know we kind of all of a sudden we're in this new era this season of okay so all of a sudden we have to care about Olivia and Taylor and you know who who are who are the people now that are the main people right and i think it was sort of unlikely that it worked as well as it did but because this cast frankly is so messy it really turned into something that feels like must see tv in a way that i southern charm has not been in years and if you're a bravo fan and you're not watching southern charm this season it feels like you are really missing out in a way that I think I've told a lot of people in the last two or three years, eh, don't worry about it. Right. It's fine. And and all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, 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 no. This is important. It's top of mind in a way that it has not been in such a long time for me. And I think, I think to me, it's a testament to leaning on your new people, leaning on your people who are a little more green on the cast and seeing what they can deliver. Because you know, I think so many times when a show is in this sort of stasis period of like, all right, how many seasons have they got left in them? You know, it's, they bring in somebody old to see if that can spark it, you know, and that didn't really work with Naomi, like you said. And I think this year they just leaned into these people who we really frankly don't know that well, you know, Taylor dated into this show and for so long, she was just Shep's girlfriend, Olivia, you know, was sort of defined as Austin's sort of like side piece last year and Catherine's friend. And then Catherine gets pulled out of the equation and and Austin's no longer her hookup or her boyfriend, whatever it was. And Olivia thrived. You know, I think Olivia has really shown herself to be one of, if not the star of the show for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think a lot of pieces had to fit just right for it to work yep. the way it, ha- it has. And, you know, maybe maybe next season it'll all fall apart again but for right now they've they've really um they've made it work and i think yeah. honestly i enjoy Paige DeSorbo so much on that she's show so when great she's on that there show. It, it that really her dynamic with Craig i think really works and sort of her outside perspective i think is something pretty unique on a bravo show that we don't get a lot of crossover where it's someone that we actually already know and like yeah. that, that feels kind of seamless. And I think even Leva and Vanita kind of fill that role a little bit sometimes too. It's, yeah, it feels like it's a pretty, it's kind of like a finely tuned cast in a way that I I don't know if they realized they were even doing when they were putting together. I agree. Together. Yeah. And I think the last thing I'll say about that is that, you know, we, Craig and Madison, I think are two of two huge stars on that cast, but they're 
relationships and love lives are so stable and that that's not where that's not going to be really a source of like really um compelling drama but they like you said they're so messy inherently and they they like to get their hands in that pot so it's been fun because like the, the season has focus it really is around this central kind of love triangle situation but everyone has a say and everyone gets makes themselves involved in a way that just feels natural to this cast so i agree southern charm huge winner of the year um, all right, let's do one last loser. I'm going to go with, and, I, and we have not seen this season, and I'll say, I, I think Carl Radke is a loser of this year. I think that he he had been generating so much goodwill over the past, you know, two to three seasons, I think, of, Southern Char- of, of Summer House. And, you know, he had gone through this kind of, one of the kind of all-time arcs, I think, on Bravo in terms of, like, you know, cleaning up his act and, and getting sober and dealing with you know the death of his brother and then finding somebody and getting engaged and I think we obviously have not seen it play out on the show again but Lindsay has really taken control of this narrative in terms of like the public facing aspect of it that you know because she's a she's a PR woman and uh he's kind of faded into the into the you know the abyss and I don't know I don't really see a world in which like he comes out looking good from this and I think that he's taken a hit but um obviously we have not seen it and that kind of teases what's to come next year but I just don't he had it all going for him you know yeah I'm sort of dreading watching the majority of this season of Summer House leading up to the the breakup because I just know it's going to be a lot of things that aren't going to age super well I agree I'm, I'm curious like how how much they'll sort of edit it to be like foreshadowing I'm really curious really curious because I think that season could be like a tough hang until until it gets really intense it's too bad I mean the way it all worked out uh, I mean I don't know I'm I, honestly I'm a little hot and cold on summer house to begin with like I mm-hmm. I think they've had some really compelling stuff but a lot of the seasons feel like they sort of drag on to me and so I think I mean, I guess I'm I'm glad that they have something interesting happening in the season, but it does feel like it's going to be, you know, pretty one sided in terms of the the reception. Yeah, and, which is saying a lot considering that Lindsay has always been one of the most polarizing people on Bravo. Exactly, exactly, and I think that, and and maybe maybe she maybe she will overcorrect and maybe it will get people to sympathize with him. I don't know, but I think at, right now that everything is sort of pointing towards the opposite of that and her kind of becoming more of like a less polarizing person that, that more people I think like, but who knows? I just, it's uh, it, that, I feel like that sort of dominated early fall for us. So um, what is your last loser? Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. So I, I was deciding between a couple, I was thinking about real housewives of Dubai, just because I think by mm. letting a whole year plus elapse between seasons, the air is out of the tire but I, I'm going to have to go with Bethany Frankel. I think that Bethany this year has, it feels like she's made a deal with the devil where she has traded her housewives reputation and legacy, which I think was sort of unique among everybody who's been on Bravo for like virality and attention. And mm-hmm. it just feels like she kind of is it's like she she's getting a lot of 
cheap attention right now. And I think especially with, you know, what she's doing on TikTok, uh, who cares if if you want to be like going to the dollar store. Right, exactly. That's fine. But I think the reality reckoning stuff, it really feels like she tried to do something so big, but it was so poorly thought out that it's like every time she opens her mouth about it now in these more and more sort of like official capacities like the Vanity Fair piece and this uh, article that was in the cut recently that was just sort of bafflingly read it if you have not bizarre (laughs) yeah it feels like it's so clear that she isn't actually trying to do anything real and I think that aside from people kind of being like lol what's Bethany up to I think in the long run it's gonna end up looking like this sort of vanity project that she tried to paint off as something altruistic and it it really just I think is kind of ruining her legacy in the Bravo community and maybe she doesn't care I mean she I think she would say she doesn't care I think just in terms of how people think of her I think this year is going to be really tough to come back from for Bethany I completely agree and I think well it's a shame because at the core of what she first started talking about unionization efforts and then kind of making sure that things on set and on productions were you know up to par and treating everybody well and all these things like there there were some good missions within this broader reckoning that she was speaking to at the beginning you know and I think that the message just got lost she centered herself way too much in this you know mission that she was on and it just got it got so diluted that that Vanity Fair article you know it it resulted in Ramona getting fired once and for all, but ultimately like it would just felt like a rehash of old stuff. And okay. You know, like it just sort of like what, what new did she really give us this year that, that impacted that greater conversation? Yeah. yeah and she's talked a lot about how like all of these people, housewives and all these people from all these different shows are, are texting her that they're with her and on her side and all of this stuff. But the fact is not one current cast member on any Bravo show has come out in support of what she's, you know, quote unquote fighting for. And at the end of the day, if you want to unionize a group of employees, the employees have to say that they want to be in a union. (laughs) Exactly. Bethany can't do it for them. And so I think if that is her mission, she has failed completely. And if that's not her mission, then she's lying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in a way that I think is probably even worse. And so, yeah, it just kind of leaves her looking at best ineffective, at worst, really kind of manipulative. And like she's using these maybe real issues for clout. And, um, you know, she's executive producing Rachel's new podcast. So good for her with that. But which is, other than which that, is like, which is like, you can read that in two ways, right? You can read that as, okay, she helped Rachel get this like, cool opportunity and is is helping her tell her story but like it's also she's profiting off of that by producing the podcast and it's just kind of like she's again it's mixed messages it's mixed messages all the time from her yeah as um as logan roy might say i don't think bethany is a serious person um when it comes to these these endeavors (laughs) and on that note what what better way to go out (laughs) <laughs> uh, Dylan, anything you want to plug before we sign off? 
Oh, uh, you can listen to my podcast, Mention It All, wherever, wherever you're listening to uh, Gibson's amazing podcast. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at Dylan Hafer and follow at Bravo by Betches for more uh, Housewives hot takes, I guess. Premier Bravo content, courtesy of Dylan Hafer always. Dylan, thanks for being here. We'll talk again soon. Thank you so much, Gibson. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for listening to the show. Subscribe to Gabbing with Gabe on any podcast platform to listen to new episodes and subscribe to Gabbing with Gabe on YouTube to watch full-length versions of our interviews. We'd also love your support with a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can follow me at Gibsonoma on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok and keep up with all things Gabbing with Gabe at Gabbing with Gabe on Instagram and TikTok. Gabbing with Gabe is an independent podcast hosted by me, Gibson Johns. It's produced by myself and Riley Dabbs. Graphics are by Rachel Roth, and our cover art photography is by Troy Hallahan. If you want to reach out about guest booking, sponsorship, or advertising opportunities, email us at gabbingwithgib at gmail.com. Thank you again for your support, and see you next time.